Hello and welcome to Hiccup, a podcast series that explores all things parenting and mum life. I'm Jen, aka Irish Mama Bice, and each week I'll be joined by a special mum guest. We'll have a chat, we'll answer some of your listener questions, and just have some fun. So sit back, relax, if possible, grab a cup of tea, and enjoy the show. week's episode, I talked to Helen Moore, founder of Intune Parenting. Helen gives us some brilliant insights into how our little ones' minds work and explains how stages like the so-called terrible twos aren't just about tantrums for no reason. We discuss how the triggers we have as parents can be worked on to help us react to our children's behaviour differently. We also chat about Christmas and how giving our little ones the opportunity to help us choose gifts for the family can be a wonderful experience. A really interesting episode that will definitely make you wonder how your little one thinks. Okay, hello and a big welcome to Helen to the show. How are you today, Helen? Hi, Jen. I'm good, thanks. Good, good. We had a day off yesterday, but we're getting back to it again after the storm. Yes. Um, have you got a busy day today or how's it looking? Oh, well, my day today isn't too busy, actually. I've actually kept things aside. I knew that I was going to be recording this podcast with you today, so I don't have any clients on today. Just my usual kind of admin stuff from behind the scenes that other people maybe aren't even aware of, which was funny. I was only chatting to my husband about that yesterday, how much actually goes into running a business that isn't shown on the surface at all. Nobody would even be aware of, you know. Yeah, I think we kind of look at everything, you know, on social media and from the outside looking in and you just think, oh, it's all there, magical, but you don't yeah. realize everything in the background. <laughs> a lot goes into it. Yeah, a lot of hours work go into it. We've only met recently through the Mumpreneur Academy. Yes. Um, how many kids do you actually have, Helen? I've got three kids. My eldest is Kevin and he's 13. And then I have Laura, who's nine and Lily, who's going to be six at the end of January. So she's she's five, but she's almost six. Oh, this, that seems like lovely ages. Yeah, it's great. It's a great phase, I'd say, in parenthood because they're all now in school. Um, and obviously that means that there's that little bit of headspace. You know, whenever they're toddlers, you find you just can't get the headspace. Um, but certainly at this point in life, although obviously a lot of other things come into it and you know new phases of development and there's lots of you know other stuff to think about. So it's not like you can rest on your laurels once they get a bit older or anything like that. There's still so much goes into it, but they do have just that little bit more independence and you do have just that little bit more space. So yeah, I'm enjoying yeah. this phase of life for sure. Oh, lovely. I know there was something yesterday and I was thinking to myself, like you'll be able to do that when you're bigger. I think mm-hmm. it, it was tidying the toy room or something. And I said, wow. to, I said to them, you know, mommy's not going to do this forever. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to come a point where I ask you to do it yourself. <laughs> what age are your little ones, Jen? Two and four. So Two. they're just, they kind of help out for a few seconds and then they get yeah. distracted and run away. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Very good. So tell me a little bit about um, Intune Parenting then. Sure. So Inchin Parenting, I set Inchin Parenting up five years ago, um, back whenever my little one was really a baby herself, um, just to create, just to be support for parents. But it's really evolved since then as well. Um, I'm a therapist. I am work with cognitive behavioral therapy and hypnotherapy. So I was able to bring that into it, um, along with just parenting education as well. And so really what Inchin Parenting has become is its own kind of method and its own way of parenting 
I take a lot from gentle parenting. That's where I was inspired. Gentle parenting, attachment parenting was my kind of early days. Um, and then as the children grew, I got more and more into conscious parenting. So all that is reflected in Intune Parenting. But it's different as well, because I also take a lot from hypnotherapy and my understanding of the subconscious mind. Um, and so I like to kind of teach parents about that. And I find that parents are able to understand better some of those behaviors that we see in young children that we might think mm-hmm. that's so unusual or or why would they even think that or like the lack of logic, I suppose, that is in young kids. And when we make that comparable, because, OK, so in the first seven years of life, children are working primarily from their subconscious mind. Everything is being programmed at that point. That's why we always say that they're like a little sponge, you know, they're absorbing everything around them. So for us to really understand that state, because we're so far past that, right, in our in our late 20s and 30s and early 40s, we're so far past being in that state that we almost forget what that means. And we just see these imaginative little people and you kind of go, what is going on in their head? But it's actually quite easy for us to experience that as well. And just if we think about different times, whenever our brainwaves are oscillating at that same rate. okay, so we go back into an alpha or theta brainwave state. So what times does that happen? Things like when you're driving the car and you're in that like automatic, you know, you almost don't even notice the journey. That would be one way of describing it. Another thing is those moments just before you go asleep, you know, when you're still aware of the bed beneath you, but you're already starting to have a dream. Mm -hmm. That kind of gives you an idea of what it feels like to be a young child playing an imaginative game. Right. Whenever kids are playing that game, it's almost as though they believe it's real. On some level, they understand it's not real, but they get so into it that it feels real like our dreams do. You know, and it's whenever we have this perspective and better kind of understanding of the experience of early childhood, it's so much easier then to parent it, isn't it? Because we we can relate and we can, you know. Exactly. Because, yeah, so often I'm just like, what is going on in your head, especially with my two year old, you know, and just at the moment, like he just goes through so many different stages and it's like one minute he's one boy and then the next week he's another. And I can talk to you about that too. Like at two, it's in a really incredible stage and and I hate that it gets such bad rap with the whole terrible twos and all this kind of stuff. But two, age two is amazing, right? Because what happens is the brain up until age two, from zero to two, it's in like a delta brainwave state, which is similar to what we're in in deep sleep. Okay, so that's why it's like super just absorbing everything. And so little kids in that early stage, they, they're kind of, they're sort of passive in a way. They kind of will go along with whatever their parents are saying. And, you know, you think of a little one-year-old baby, you can spoon the food into their mouth even, you know, and there's no objection. And that's why like young kids, when they're first weaning, they seem to eat everything. And parents are like, but it's only whenever they get to two that they start to come out of the transition out of that brainwave state into a tether brainwave state, which is like what I was describing to you earlier. That's just a little bit more conscious, a little bit more aware. And that's actually quite an uncomfortable state to go from being in like a deep sleep. You can imagine it like sleep, right? To go from being in a deep sleep into that almost waking up. You know how groggy you feel? You know yes. that feeling of like, oh, I have to be aware of things again. And I was in this lovely, blissful place. So your two-year-old is going in and out of that throughout the day, obviously in a more conscious way. They're not sleeping, okay? But it is, that's a similar experience in terms of the speed and how the brainwaves are, are progressing. And, and that whole in and out of um, what we call our conscious reality. Yes. Obviously their reality is that world. And so that's why things start getting really, really important to them to really show you that they're an independent person. Mm-hmm. It becomes incredibly important. And that's why things like, 
the blue plate, not the red plate is really important to them because they don't understand how you don't understand that that's important. And it gets it turns into this power struggle. But whenever parents understand right what's going on, they're like, wow, it's understandable that my kid is feeling a bit disorientated right now. Of course, they're going to feel a little bit dysregulated because their whole world is changing. Their perception of everything is changing at around two years old. So they have to come into the world anew. They have to get used to everything all over again. Um, so it's quite a struggle for them. And, yeah. and we're here thinking, oh, it's so difficult. But I mean, it, we are already well established in who we are and we already know what we're doing. So, you know, you can. Yeah. You can, uh, yeah. The difference no. in the perspective. Can definitely see it like it's we're, we're already <laughs> well past that stage. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we go through it at each stage. So we go through it around two and then you go through it again around seven. So whenever you're about seven, you come out of that you kind of you're between um, two and about seven years old, you're oscillating through theta and alpha brainwave states. And then whenever you come out of from about seven on, your conscious mind starts to really rapidly start to develop. And so you start developing critical thinking. So you start getting more maybe judgmental or, you know, people start seeing these behaviors in their kids. And they start going, where did this even come from? My innocent little one. But children need to do that. They need to start to understand their world. And they get very, um, you know, they're looking always outside of themselves. They're constantly, they, and they start to be more and more motivated by external factors. Whereas in the early years, it's so much more intrinsic. But as they get older, they start looking more into what their friend is doing or what Johnny down the road is doing or whatever. Or this mommy does it that way. Why, why can't you be like them? And <laughs> this kind of thing starts, starts coming up for parents. And they're like, what's going on? But again, it's just a new state of awareness that your child is developing into. And then it happens again at 12 as they start going into the teens and start going into more of a, like a beta brainwave state, which is what we're in as, as adults. Yes. Yes. No, I can, I can almost like see it a little bit with him. Like he might not be getting taller sometimes, but I just see like, oh my gosh, he's changed so much in like a week or two weeks. And it's like, oh, <laughs> and you just want to help them. And it's so hard. It can be so yeah, hard. And it's amazing to see it. And, you know, obviously with this new development comes so many new skills. So it's so wonderful for parents to get to witness that and to kind of like live that alongside their child mm-hmm. um, and to really kind of, I don't know, there's there's so much in it as your child kind of becomes more and more consciously aware, even the type of conversations we can have and the, you know, we can get deeper into really understanding their perspective on life and where they're coming from and stuff. And it can be really fun. Oh, it's really amazing. Yeah. So it's probably me thinking, oh, with the four-year-old, she's so calm and everything's so good, but seven's going to come along. Yeah. And it's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, what are, so- what are, the most common things that parents come to you with is it like different things or I think mostly especially over the past two years has been anxiety is a big thing um it's so sad to see it but children especially in that kind of seven age group has become more aware of their surroundings um and because of everything that's just out there it's just all around them everything with COVID and stuff um children are now being surrounded by a lot of fear and um it's just leading to so much anxiety so I have a lot of parents coming to me and I a lot of my I'm a pediatric therapist so a lot of my my child clients would be in that kind of age bracket at the moment and dealing with anxiety um and then I also have a lot of parents come to me for their own triggers so I run a whatsapp group 
um, and I work with parents using hypnotherapy um, to help them kind of like overcome any kind of their own triggers. So, you know yourself whenever you have, let's say, um, I think I actually heard it on one of your past podcasts, Jen, I was listening to it the other day. And you were saying how sometimes as a parent, you'd think I'm never going to be that mommy who shouts. But then in the moment of a lot of stress, next thing you're there shouting at your kids and you're like, what's wrong with me? Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. But the reason that happens is because whenever we're under stress, we click back into our default behavior, which is everything that was programmed into us before seven years old. So everything that we would have seen in our world before we were seven. So a lot of parents are coming to me because of their experience in childhood isn't really matching who they want to be now as an adult. So they don't really want to just repeat what their parents did. Even though they're probably, you know, oh, you always hear that, like, well, that's what my parents did, and I'm fine, you know. Um, but I think people are becoming more and more conscious and aware of childhood development and what is needed, and and this different ways of approaching parenting. Um, and there's so much more awareness around that and what's best for best practice, let's say, for the child. Um, that parents have, I don't know, I suppose it's a certain there's a certain level of stress, a certain level of that kind of mom guilt. And parents are kind of thinking, God, I'm shouting and I know it's not the right thing, but I can't stop. And that's the hardest thing is that this is here in the programming. It's part of your, it's in your subconscious. And the reality is until you learn how to re-access those subconscious brainwave states, it is impossible to stop because it's programmed in there. Now you can have the strongest willpower in the world and you can be saying, I, there's no way I'm ever going to shout. And and that can be effective to a certain point. But, you know, as soon as you are exhausted, like you're sleep deprived or you're really stressed about something, it's going to erupt out of you because all your will- willpower really can do is suppress that, is tell yourself not to shout, even though you have this internal urge to shout. Right. So you're just stopping yourself. So what we want to actually do is change the program, actually get in there and rewrite that belief system using hypnotherapy so that the parent whenever they are under stress goes into this default that they have actually had the opportunity to choose consciously as an adult which is wonderful so we see amazing results with that and and I absolutely love it like it feeds me to work in that whatsapp group because I always feel like at the end of the month the feedback that I'm getting the what parents are feeling even before the end of the month in the first two weeks really you start to see these like drastic changes in your parenting because it's there on that subconscious level and because they're listening to different hypnosis tracks throughout the month. It's it's amazing. And so I love it. Um, I love working in that way. And that would be the two main areas that I'm working with parents is working directly with children who are suffering anxiety, obviously some trauma, different things are coming up. Um, but like I said, in the last two years, it is mostly anxiety. Yeah. Um, and then for parents, it's kind of to take the I don't know uh, how to like that trigger to stop the trigger, how yes. to prevent that trigger from being fired. Right. Um, so still, there'll still be things in your life that cause you stress. They'll still, you know, they always say, oh, my children know how to push my buttons. Right. You know, the way people say that those buttons, they're there. But if when you print, like if you think of like um, a keyboard on a piano and, you know, sometimes you might have a key that doesn't make any sound. Yeah. So the key is still there and the kids can push the button, but you're not going to erupt because you've actually already changed um all the program behind it so um, I love that I love that that's so interesting and I think only like from chatting to different people on the podcast I've started to think about that um about talking about when you're younger and it being connected to how you parent and even Bethan was talking about Bethan O'Reardon when she was on about how your kids as they 
like hit a certain age, then it starts to bring you back memories of whenever you were that age. It's so yes. cool. <laughs> yeah, it is fantastic. And you know, that was one of the things that I always find that really, really interesting. And I love and I work as well with regression therapy, which helps parents to go back into their own childhood experience, because sometimes you'll find that like, let's say, Um, your child is seven and something comes up for your seven-year-old in their life and you find yourself feeling unreasonably angry about it like let's say if your seven-year-old is being bullied at school and you might have no real memory conscious memory of being bullied yourself but for some reason it's really eating at you it's really getting you and you you find that it's like coming into all areas of your life and you're feeling all this stress in your body and then through something like regression therapy, you might uncover something that has happened to you in those early days yourself, which is causing you to respond in that way. So the more healing a parent does on themselves, the more work they do on kind of healing their own past. And, and I talk a lot about reparenting as well. I'm not sure if you've seen any of that on my Instagram page. Um, it's just treating yourself the way you would treat your child. So you need to understand that each of these stages of development are still within you as well. And a lot of the time, if during our childhood, we were kind of emotionally stunted at a certain stage. Like if we were told one of my big ones, and thankfully I'm kind of working through, I never will say the work is never done, right? But that I'm still working through would have been whenever I was in school and I used to be the, a sensitive, I'm still a very sensitive person. I used to be a sensitive person. I'm still a sensitive person. <laughs> Me too. But Me as, too. as a child, I would have cried really easily. And I have really strong memories of my teachers kind of like going, oh, here come the waterworks and these sort of, saying these sort of things to me that made me feel really self-conscious about my sensitivity. So it took me a long time to come to a place where I was able to really like accept that in myself. That meant that even as a parent, I was finding myself like triggered by my children crying. And like, because I had felt like I hadn't really been responded to or listened to when I was crying, I was like hyper-focusing on their crying. And like, I had to get there as fast as possible to soothe their tears. And I had to be there for them. I had, you know, and so there was all this stress on me, but it was all the result of my own experience. And it wasn't the experience my children were having at all, you know? So through healing that, I was able to approach it in a much more measured way with my kids and allow them to have experiences in their life that they can actually learn from. So, you know, just because a child falls over and they're crying, we don't have to like swoop in there and be there for them because what happens is they get the message then from us. Oh my God, I'm really weak and vulnerable. Mom thinks I'm going to break in half if I fall over. Yep. So you have to learn how to stand back a little bit, but that can be really hard if you have a trigger like I had about not being listened to when you're hurt, right? Yeah. So it means then that once I was able to work on that, and like I say, it's a work in progress, like I still work on it. I still feel my heart lurch if I think that my children are hurt in any way. I think all parents do, don't they? So, but it's those little things that you can, whenever you're working on those things, um, that you can find real change in yourself as a parent and just make the whole experience much more calmer, stress-free, you know, like really just able to relax into it and enjoy parenting. Because I think that's the main thing that parents are really struggling with at the moment is just the stress of it all, because there's so much societal pressure and there's so many people all around us saying, this is how it should be. This is what you should do. This is, And it can just feel sometimes completely overwhelming and impossible, can't it? Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, the- the past few years like has been very ha- hard for me like in my family but the the on top of it all like with the pandemic but like going through everything for a long time with the pandemic was fine but this year I've started to be like oh this is a lot like it's future pe- limit you see yeah yeah, pe- point. yeah. yeah pe- people must be really getting I'd say really stressed out at this point yeah you know absolutely. 
And I definitely find that even within my practice, like I definitely find that even parents are coming, usually a child coming to me with anxiety, the parents are also pretty anxious, you know, yeah. a lot of the time you're seeing that is that it's that the parents held it together for so long, maybe, but the child was aware of the kind of the energy of it behind. I mean, mm-hmm. if we're really and we are, all of us are, no matter, even if you turn off the news, even if you try and avoid it, we're still surrounded by it. And at this point, almost two years in, it, it gets, it's almost impossible to escape, isn't it? You know, yeah. like I found the first lockdown blissful. I love the first lockdown, right? And I know that that's my privilege because we didn't have an experience of COVID within the yeah. family, you know, any of the difficulties of it. What I loved about it, though, was, you know, it was a lovely summer. It was warm. You know, we had only just moved into our new house. We just moved into our house. We had all this kind of like just lovely family experiences day in and day out together and no pressure of trying to get work done or do anything right so it felt like oh this is great obviously that was the honeymoon and that exactly. was, you know, and we're really faced with the reality of it now. And it is so restrictive and you can't like, even I had an experience there just really recently, my dad was supposed to come visit me and I'd been so looking forward to my dad coming to visit me. I was waiting to see him. I was so excited um, and we had everything prepared for him to come. You know, we'd made up the spare bed, we had everything ready. And just the morning that he was supposed to come, my little one started running a fever. Oh. And I was like, I can't believe it. Now, of course, we went and we got the PCR test and everything and it was negative. But at that point, you know, his plans were changed. Like it was the morning that he was supposed to come. So at that point, he was like, right, okay, well, time had moved on or whatever. And we'd missed our opportunity. And it's just those little things that maybe seem insignificant in some way, but it really affected me. I found that for days afterwards, I was just like, God, this is awful. Because you really see just how restrictive the whole thing is like like a few years ago if a child had a high temperature you'd give them some calpol like and you'd think sure it's brand but now there's all this whole you know we have to be so careful because you just don't know what you're spreading it's so just really- it's insane like it really is um and I think it's even more frustrating with kind of you know a lot of the people that are putting these restrictions in place are probably not following them the same way that they're expecting everybody else to absolutely there's that I mean I had this great conversation with my husband there recently we were talking about kind of the we were kind of putting it in perspective even with like my work that I'm doing we're like the way we were originally given the restrictions we all followed like like a young child right yeah yeah. and then we began to question it like a toddler but we still followed but we still questioned it and we're all kind of now in our teenage years we're we're kind of a little bit tempted to rebel aren't we like it's kind of getting to a point where it's like you're not the boss of me right yeah We're, we're beginning to kind of get this feeling of it's just it's going on so long now and the restrictions a lot of the time like you say don't line up and it's confusing and I think until you can get your own head around it I think a lot of the time the best way forward is to understand yourself what risks you're willing to take and what That's risks it. you're not willing to take and I mean I would like my own daughter as upset I was around the masks coming in for kids in school my daughter is wearing her mask to school my nine-year-old um you know there's certain there's things like that where I go as parents, do we either pass on this little bit of rebellion that we are feeling right now, or do we make a conscious choice to show our children how to handle adversity with a certain level of grace? And, and that was the main thing for me was to help Laura, that's my daughter, my nine-year-old, was to help Laura to go through this experience um, in a way that was not going to cause any sort of lasting trauma. So yes. I wanted to help make it very normal for her and very easy for her 
while also showing her that it's also normal to question where rules are coming from and why they're in place. So we did have all the conversations around it. We discussed why there was protests happening against it. We discussed why this is not, you know, everybody's choice and why we were still choosing to to do it. But I really gave her a lot of power in it. And I think that's very important at that age group. Once you get past seven years age group, they need to have some control over their own lives. So I was really putting it to her and explaining both sides and helping her understand why this was coming in. And of her own accord, she was like, yeah, she was, she wanted to wear the mask. That felt right to me then, rather than just doing it because we were told to. I felt like we're doing it now because we're actually going to weigh it up and actually understand why we do this, you know? Yeah, I'd say you're so right, because I'd say if you'd gone either of the other ways, it would be kind of given the wrong message. Like either you're being told you have no choice or you're, you know, just saying, no, I'm not going to do it. Like both are bad messages. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, the reality is, I think in everything in parenting, the one thing to keep on asking yourself is what's down the line is, is what does this lead to? What message am I giving my child with my behavior here? Um, And in, in doing so, I suppose that's probably a bit like what Bethan was talking about. We almost grow ourselves up, you know? It's, it's that we start seeing, all right, okay, well, like at nine, like I have memories myself from nine. I remember how, um, you know, my own decision-making abilities, the kind of opinions I had at nine. I remember being a nine-year-old and I know what it feels like. And so it would have been unfair to tell her, you're just wearing a mask because I say so and because the government says so. You know what I mean? You have yeah. to give children the opportunity to kind of weigh in at least. And of course, you guide them and, you know, yeah like steer them certain directions but it's nice at that age to be able to have those kind of conversations and for it to not just be um about control and about power yeah Yeah, to make her feel like she's you know she does have some say in things and worthwhile yeah exactly part of this family part of this community part of the school part of everything so she can really see herself within the world and and yeah Because, I mean, she's nine years old. Nine-year-olds have a big voice like they really do. That's That's what I remember from my own years too. Yes, I was very opinionated at nine. And I think, you know, at nine years old, they have the ability of really making good decisions and Mm -hmm. really working things out and understanding things for themselves. So we should be encouraging that, right? Yeah. And tell me, do you get, is it all mums or do you have any men that are in the WhatsApp group too? It's absolutely a mix, yeah. I mean, uh, the last month, was was all moms yeah so I'll say I'm probably 80 percent moms um but a lot of the time what I have is the moms come and then the dads are also doing it alongside the moms but the moms are the ones in the conversation so (laughs) I have a lot of that um and I think that's just society isn't it that's just the way you know we still have this kind of old-fashioned idea about the mom being the one making the decisions around parenting and the mom kind of you know because you know, in terms of our instincts, it is mothers who have all that kind of like, uh, maybe they're breastfeeding the baby or they're carrying the baby around everywhere. There's the moms who are doing all that kind of part of the job, but the dads have such a huge role to play in it. And I always, as well, the other thing that I always make a point, which is something that comes up all the time around this, oh, the moms or the dads kind of thing, is that both parents, it's, I, I hate that this has become such a thing within our society, this whole and consistency obviously is important, but that both parents need to be on the same page at all times about everything. Um, and it's one thing that I always try and debunk as early on in the conversation as Very I can. Good. Because the reality is children do have the ability to understand a certain behavior is the way mom behaves. 
and the other one is the way dad behaves and they learn how to handle different personality types and different ways of being in the world and it gives them a certain level of openness and kind of steers them away from any kind of discrimination or black and white thinking where they're saying it must be this one way only obviously in terms of bigger family decisions and maybe like belief systems if you're trying to like pass on certain belief systems to kids it's good to be on the one page with that but when it comes to things like let's say discipline which is the big one that parents always are saying with me are coming to me about is let's say when it comes to discipline a child might know how to get their own way with mommy and daddy's always strict or the other way around I always there's no harm in that in in many ways it's actually good for a child to understand how to influence their own their world around them and understand different people and you know to kind of get that perspective as well yeah you're a mind reader that's exactly where I was going with that question I was (laughs) like yeah I was thinking do do the mums and the dads have to be on the same page or is it okay that they're on different pages (laughs) because it's like that it's like that in my house I think it's like yeah I think it's like maybe daddy has the more like louder voice that might be a little bit more scary but Mm -hmm. at the end he's softer but then mommy has a quieter voice, but at the end, you're not going to get anything past her. <laughs> <laughs> and how good is it for the children to even to, to learn all of that? I mean, there's so, so much in that, there isn't there? There's so much in there that they, they have to like navigate and, and learn, you know, and that's going to help them so much whenever they go out into schools or into different environments like that. And they've got, you know, a different teacher each year and you have to learn each personality. And, you have to, you know, and sure, the base rules of the school are the same, but each teacher is going to enforce it differently and they have to learn how to navigate that. So that started in their own home, like home is the first society. If that started at home, it makes life so much easier for them. Definitely. And they know how to play us. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good thing. (laughs) Okay. Um, And tell me a little bit about your Instagram. I've seen you on there now and you're doing your reels and I love them. (laughs) Have you been on there for long? (laughs) I um, no Facebook would have been my main platform and I've actually really nearly come away from Facebook almost altogether now now a lot of the time what I do is I create stuff on Instagram and I share it back to Facebook because I do have some followers on Facebook that aren't on my Instagram mm-hmm. um, but Instagram I just find it's an easier one for me to work with I just I like Instagram and I definitely like the reels at the beginning I was really shy of the reels and I I wasn't sure that I liked them but then I found, you know, that they're very, they're an easy way of doing social media. Um, they're an easy way kind of of getting what I want to say out there in a very short period of time. Like it's like tiny little clip. It's easy to watch. Um, and so I kind of feel like I can get kind of the base messages across in that way. Um, the one thing that I, I'm quite a talker, as you might have noticed. <laughs> so because I, I will like talk a lot about stuff and I like to go quite deep with things. I do feel a bit stunted with Instagram that I can't really teach as much as I would like to. I would kind of like to go into a bit more depth. But in saying that, I find that people who are interested in the depth then come to me through Instagram. So I open up conversations in my private messages and I'm able to kind of like chat to people and stuff. So yeah, I'm loving Instagram for that reason. And yeah, I just think the reels are just fun, aren't they? Yeah. I do watch them as well. Like whenever I want to kind of see people's different like messages and stuff, I watch the reels because it's good to kind of get an idea of, you know, what they're about for sure. And for us busy parents, I think it's much quicker than trying to read through somebody's website. Yes. Like, yeah, it's definitely a, it's quicker. Yeah. Um, and so tell me if somebody wants to get involved with Intune Parenting and maybe take 
part like get into classes or the whatsapp mm-hmm. group how do they go about that um yeah well through my instagram so my instagram is in gym parenting so that would be a great start to just go on there and you can send me a private message i'm at the moment working on my website so my website is not like amazing at the moment but you could go to my website it's in tuneparenting.com there's definitely contact forms and stuff there but it's we're working on it and we're trying to kind of like revamp it a bit um so that will be better in the coming weeks um but you can contact me that way and then email is in tuneparenting at gmail.com so that's another easy one to remember yeah perfect perfect and tell me are you all set for christmas or has it has it looking it's good I love Christmas I'm a real Christmas person and I'm a big believer in all the magic that goes into Christmas um so I I really love it I really love every second so yeah we have everything pretty much organized only I'm just about to start into all my kind of Christmas shopping into all like buying for my sisters and my parents and you know nieces and nephews and all that fun stuff but I love that and I love teaching that to my kids as well I love showing my kids kind of that kind of thinking about somebody what would they like what can we do to kind of bring them some joy um and so it's always kind of a fun and it's a nice kind of lead up like we don't do any of the elf on the shelf or any of the advent calendars or anything like that in our house so the kids always look forward to you know giving which is quite nice rather than oh what am I going to get in my advent calendar or what's going to come to me is that the run up to Christmas is all spent focusing on what we're putting out into the world as opposed to what we're receiving. Of course, on Christmas morning, they wake up and Santa has been and, and it's all about receiving, isn't it? But up until that point, we are very, you know, we, we try and keep that balance that they are understanding that a lot of Christmas is about what we give out into the world. Yeah, that's so good. I'm going to actually really think about that because I haven't bought the presents yet. So maybe I can get them to give me their opinion on the family presence <laughs> so lovely to involve them but I the way I love to do it especially like at your kids age like when they're so little like that is to just have them think of the person what would you think would be their favorite thing what's their favorite thing and whenever we make it kind of simple like that it makes it easier like I remember whenever my um my son he's like 13 now right but whenever he was very little his special auntie his godmammy is my sister Emma and I used to do like that with him and he used to say things like her favorite thing is like sweets so we'd go to the shop and buy her like Harry Bojellies and stuff Aww. but you know she loved it and one year we got my um we got my brother-in-law a bag of crisps and it just was for the crack but you know he opened it and he laughed and, and Kevin was like waiting for him to open the present you know so he got the present it was all wrapped up and it was before Christmas and so, so just was kind of like oh okay well I keep this front of the tree and I was like oh no don't keep the front of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so um so he opened it and we all had a good laugh you know so it's that kind of thing and it's good fun and it is it's nice for for the kids to feel like they're doing something you know that's brilliant. I can't wait to see what suggestions they come up with. That'll be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're coming to an end now. So if you would like to tell me, who's your mumspiration? <laughs> My mumspiration. Yeah, this is one I've been thinking about, Jen. So I think um, I, I have so many people who have been really inspiring for me as a mom. Um, but of course the main one has to be my own mom um, and like I was talking earlier and I was saying about the influence that our own childhood has on us and who we become throughout my childhood and kind of starting I suppose just before I was seven my mom went on her own kind of big personal development journey so I was surrounded from a really young age with people who cared a lot about like consciousness and being aware of the way we're contributing to the world 
So um, just personal development, which obviously is the area I ended up going into then as an adult. And that's no surprise, is it, knowing what we know now. But I really was just surrounded by this. And so I'm so grateful to her for that. And she always gave me an outlet for kind of like critical thinking and stuff. She always encouraged me to have my own opinions, stuff I'm carrying on with my own daughter, like I explained earlier with the masks. Um, so, yeah, so my mom, my mom is the biggest inspiration of all. Oh, that's so nice. And it's so amazing to see that she really kind of impacted you in the way that everything that was going on when you were younger, it's kind of, it's just your career now. Like, it's amazing. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> I always say that, like, what we give our kids, that gives them the ability to stand, like, on those shoulders, you know, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. So as far as I was able to go with my own development and understanding myself and studying it and making a career out of it, it's all thanks to the fact that my mom had done so much work on herself when I was a child and I was witness to that you know brilliant I love that thank you so much for being on it's been absolutely amazing yeah I really enjoyed it thanks so much it was lovely chatting to you thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode please follow us on instagram at hiccup pod for news and updates check out www.irishmamabias.ie slash hiccup and don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast streaming app